Welcome to the ministry of the International Christian Assembly in Southeast Spain. We are here for the purpose of worshipping God and reaching others with love. We pray that as you listen, you will be inspired and challenged in your walk with God. Good morning, everyone. The book of Hosea, or Hosea, here, that pronunciation, I will try. No, I'm not even going to. We just say Hosea. Um, the story of that book might be shocking to some of you. Might not know that this is a small uh, or a minor prophet with a story that uh, it sometimes is uh, not quite understood in the Bible. Uh, to some of you, you, well, you know well the story of Hosea and Gomer. And to others, you're about to find out of a unique kind of story in the Old Testament. It is the story of God and man and a story of love. This is John 3.16 where it says, For God so loved the world. It is God's love. This is the story of God's love. God gave his son as a gift to those who would receive the greatest love story ever told. So when we speak of love, it is to speak of God. Hard to perceive that when you read this story because of its content. We will see God's love from a different angle. It's told by this prophet named Hosea. It, it, it is actually an autobiographical uh, record. He wrote it about himself and describes his life, how God intended for him to live, and what that life and choices were to represent as he then went and preached to this divided nation. Israel had divided the northern ten tribes, Israel the southern two tribes, uh, Judah. He lived about... Uh, some 700 plus years before Christ, prior to the fall of the northern kingdom. And he is warning the north that there is this impending sin coming, uh, punishment coming because of their harlotry. Because they had turned away from God. Because they had chosen to put another other things, other images, other concepts on the thrones of their hearts. So this is a minor prophet. And when we did the class of minor prophets, I'm sure we spent one day on Hosea and probably explained all of what it was. And I know you remember it, that if you took a test, I know you'd pass. I know you would, those that were at the class. So it's a minor prophet, but uh, his message, well... It's a minor prophet with a very large, major message. He writes mainly to the northern kingdom, though he does mention and foretell punishment to the southern kingdom. I would have to explain to you why they are divided, but we'll leave that for maybe next Sunday. In chapters 1 through 3, you have the life, marriage, and, and then pursuit of uh, Hosea 
and Gomer. And all of his biography, his life story regarding marriage is just kind of condensed in these three chapters. And then from verse uh, chapter 4 to uh, right before the last chapter, he then exemplifies how that life, God says, how this man had to live. This is how I've had to put up with you. And then the last chapter, he says, ah, but my love is so great that I will still redeem you. I will still be there in your greatest need. So God told him to take a wife for himself. And, and together, they had these three children. And the NASV, uh, the ESV, excuse me, uh, gives you the translation of their names. Judgment, no mercy, uh, not my people. Most versions just give their name. Uh, Jezreel, Loram, and Loam. Tragic names, but they were to describe what was going to happen to these nations. That judgment would come, that God would have no mercy, and that he would no longer see them as his people. I think about that. That had to hurt. Tragedy strikes at home, lured by the night lights, the sounds of music. Gomer abandons her home and goes out to sell herself into harlotry. At times, Hosea would preach to the people during the day and would be seen at night standing at the door of the brothel, hoping to talk to Gomer, to love her, to convince her to come home. So in this book, God displays his love for us in a very extraordinary way and with very extraordinary terms. I'm sure that at some point, he is approached by the people, only logical that it would happen. It would probably have gone something like this, Hosea, we have a question. We admire you. You're a man of integrity. We know you're a man of God. But how can a holy man like you be in love with a harlotrous person like that? To which he would have answered, glad you asked that question. How can a holy God like ours be in love with a harlotrous people like us. Truly, we think very highly of ourselves. We always find someone to compare ourselves to. I do. Don't you? Oh, no, sorry. It's just me. There's always some poor sinner that makes me feel better. There I stand at the light of God, and how would that work out? How would I work out if I measured myself to a holy God instead of to another sinner? Today, we're going to talk about a will to love. A will 
to love. Let's pray. Father, would you guide us as we work our way through these next minutes. Make the principles in your word, Father, be applicable to our life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that brings us to our first point. The love of God is undeserved. The love of God is undeserved. We are all unlovable. We are. We're all unlovable. I want to write to you what a social worker left in one of their notes in the book once. He said, or I think it's a he, he said that this is the description of a drug addict. He is a dirty, ignorant, arrogant, dishonest, unemployable, broken, unreliable, ugly, rejected, and alone person. And then the social worker writes, he represents in a moral kind of way all of us. Why did God in the Old Testament, ever choose Israel? That question has been asked again and again and again. Probably the reason is, <coughs> excuse me, because it is so easy to see the rebellion. It just splattered through so many parts of the Old Testament. All that God does for them and all how often they forget all that he does for them. Why did God ever choose the nation of Israel? Why did he choose to reveal himself to the world through them? Why not Babylon or Persia? With its palaces, its city, its garden, its splendor? Or Greece? The land of philosophers, of thinkers, of culture. These were the great nations. Why not Rome with its city, the empire that was not built in a day, the majesty of the Caesars, the military power of its army? Instead, he chooses this tiny little country called Israel. If you ever sit and study and go to perhaps an um, encyclopedia with maps and try to study certain eras of the times and where they kind of give you these, uh, you know, sort of color by numbers thing, you will see that there are sections in time when there is this large land, humongous land, all these colors, and then there is this tiny little piece of land right on the Mediterranean, and it sits in a whole different color. And while the nations were raging, there lied prosperity and peace. And they were the ones in charge. You think, really? Yeah. See, this is the season that we're writing about. When Hosea is writing, Israel, the northern kingdom, is actually the most powerful kingdom on the Mediterranean. These were the greatest of days for them. But they had forgotten how that greatness had come.
became enslaved by Babylon, laughed at by the Greeks, abused by the Romans. Yet God has always seen them as he describes them in Zechariah 2.8. It's repeated in Deuteronomy and in other passages where God says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, after his glory sent me to the nations who's plundered you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eyes. The apple of his eyes. That is an expression of love to our days today. The apple of our eyes. God is, sees Israel as the miniature reflection of himself. He says, you are to reflect who I am. And he loved them. So God who loves us, and yet so often we seem to hate him, loves us though we do not satisfy his love, return his love, loves us though we do not please him. He loves us though we have nothing to offer him. This is the secret found in the word of God. Not just that he loves you, but he loves you even though you are unlovable. We are Gomer. Unlovable. Yet he still chooses to love us. Francis Thomas, he's an English poet in in the 19th century, and he wrote a very well-known poem, quite long, but uh, it's called The Hound of Heaven. I'll just read you little portions of it. God is the Uh, uh, persistent hound who with loving feet uh, is following and following till he catches up with the one who is trying to flee away. And he writes, I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind. And in the midst of tears... I hid from him. But he still found you, did he not? But he still found you. One of the most amazing things after you become a believer and you're born again and you find God and you find peace and you understand salvation is when you look back at your life and you think, oh dear, I was a quite wretched person, wasn't I? And then you begin to look at little things, little moments, little incidents, and you see, he was after me. He was here, and he was here, and he was here, and he was here, and he protected me here, and he did that, and he pushed me here, and he made sure I saw this, and he sure, and you think, he was chasing me when I was so desperately trying to get away. Today, love is presented to us as an emotion. Scripture presents it as an act of the will, a choice. Hosea choosing to pursue Gomer. This is the key to an enduring relationship. The love of God grows and is sustained by our relationship. Not just the feeling of knowing that he loves you. 
by the deepening, growing relationship that never seems to end. The longer you walk with God, the more you understand how glorious his love is. Why me? Why have you loved me with this kind of an everlasting love? What language shall I borrow to thank you? My dearest friend, for this thy dying sorrow, thy pity without end, O oh, make me thine forever, and should I faint be, Lord, let me never, never outlive my love for thee. Our second point is the love of God is desperately needed. Whether we know it or not, whether we sense it or not, we need it. Gomer needed Hosea's love. Love that is sustained by relationship. The longer you walk with God, the more you understand how glorious that love is. Gomer needs Hosea's love. It was a love needing to grow on the basis of relationship. It was a love she did not deserve. But God commanded Hosea to go and to love her, to buy her back for the price of a slave of a day's ration. In the economy of God, we are to love people and use things. Today, it seems as if we love things, but use people. God states in Isaiah, 5, Isaiah 5 verse 4, what more can I do that I have not already done to show you my love? God's love, undeserving, grows on relationship, desperately needed. In chapter 6, verses 1 and 4, God is now rebuking the nations the people. The story was told in chapters 1 through 3. Now he's talking to the nation. And in verse 1, he says, come, let us return. They're saying, we're going to return to you. We're going to come back to you. But by the time he gets to verse 4, this is what God says. He says, what shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like the morning cloud, like the dew that goes early away. You're all just hot air. It's when I feel good I say I love you, not during the length of the relationship. Testimony here of an athlete. How much do we need to know people love us? So this athlete is, in his, in his uh, um, uh, biography of having been part of the Olympics in Atlanta and so on, he writes that um, he had won the heats 
that got him to the semifinals. He had won the semifinals that got him to the final race. And in that final race, as the interviewer said, what was going through your mind as you were getting ready for that final race? He said, the only thing that would come across my mind was, is my father watching? Is my dad watching? We all need to be loved. Can you imagine if we were here in some sort of a vacuum? No heavenly father to love us, to commune with us. I wish we had time to develop, but love, God's love, is the only love that can give you essential worth. That's why you need his love. It is the only love that will give you essential worth. Naturalism, this is um, the belief that only uh, natural laws and forces operate in the universe. You know, the world is just some random existence. Naturalism can't do that for you. Nature can't love you. God calls you and treats you like an individual. You know, you talk to any believer, ask them how they came to Christ, and they all, all will tell you a different story, a different life testimony. Because God comes to all of us and such, and we all realize we've come from so many backgrounds in so many ways, out of so many miracles, but we all have this one thing that we all say, but he loves me. Until you hear someone say something like, no, he loves me more. And then the other fellow says, no, he loves me more. Because it is individual. And the very word individual means you are indivisible. We were made to need love. That cannot be divided away. So in closing, we need his love. So bring your will. Bring your resolve, your moral commitment, because love is a commitment, not just an emotion. You see, without emotion, love is drudgery. But without will, the will to change, the will to surrender, love is mockery. Bring your will. Surrender your will. Love without commitment is a mockery. And God is saying, come, but bring your will with you. So let's reflect. Look to the redemption story. From so many angles you can come at it, right? Look at the redemption story and see the love, the deep 
committed love of God in loving you. And what all that really means. Unworthy, unmerited, yet showered upon us because he chooses to. Because he elected you to do that. Because he chose to do that. Nothing you did, not your worth, not your abilities, not what you have to give him. Just simply he chose to do it. Could he have chosen others? Yeah. Why didn't he choose someone different? I don't know. Why on earth did he choose me? I have no idea. Trust me, I have no idea why he chose you. And I know some of you. So bring your will and love God back. Make Jesus Lord of your life. Don't stop at Savior. Make him Lord. Let's stand. Close in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this Sunday. How good it is when brethren gather together. We turn a dirty old building into a place of worship. Your church walks in and all of a sudden this becomes a holy place. It is a reminder of your love upon our lives. The elements this morning, a reminder of your love upon our lives. The breath that we take, the day that we enjoy, the means to do it with, a reminder of your love. And all you ask is that we would bring your will, our will and bend it to yours. How little you ask for such great, great a gift. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the ministry of the International Christian Assembly, a ministry of AMG Spain and AMG International. For more information, please visit our website at www rca This audio file is not copyrighted.